Amen. Man, let's live in that. Let's live in God's purpose for our lives. You can clap it up. Hey, man, let's give our worship team a round of applause. They just do an incredible job. And today, those, uh, those songs lyrically, I, I was praying, first service, praying the service that God would speak to all of us lyrically through those songs. There's some powerful truth in those songs that we just sang. If we believe them, and hopefully as we were, we were taking those words and we're sending them back to God, we're singing them back to Him, we really meant what we were singing because there was some truth in that. And, uh, you know, the very first one we started, talking about what we see. You know, and, and hopefully you guys, uh, you know, this whole series Triggered maybe has, has kind of hit home with some of us. Um, how many of you guys in here feel like you have triggers in your life? Raise your hand. Just be real honest. Man, I know I do. And, uh, and so I want to reclaim those things. I want to see God use these triggers in my life in a positive way. And, uh, and for me, it, it takes me changing some things, how I see things. And so, you know, we want to have a great day. You know, I, I, I got it this morning. I posted, hey, it's going to be a great day. We have to make that decision before we ever start the day sometimes, right? And so hopefully that's what you're going to do. Because, hey, you know what? Today is going to be a great day. And uh, we're not going to get up. We're not going to kind of start thinking about how bad it's going to be. We're going to think about how good it's going to be. And we're going to focus on those things. We're going to deal with the issues as they arise. But we're, not, you know, we're going to focus on God's promises, God's truth, and uh, His goodness, right? And so t- that's what we're going to kind of deal with today. Triggered, the series has been good. Uh, Pastor John did a great job last week. Um, been teaching and, and, and really kind of dealing with some issues. And hopefully for you, you know, you, you literally heard some things that will help you and you'll, you've applied those this past week. And maybe you begin to experience a little bit of freedom in some of those areas. And so hopefully today we're just going to kind of recap some of the things, but we're going to also kind of look at maybe changing the way we think, how do we do, go about doing that? But trigger is a stimulus that creates a, a reaction or response. So that's what a trigger is. So a trigger could be a, a good thing or a bad thing, right? So it says it's a stimulus that creates a reaction or a response. And, and so there are lots of things that can trigger, you know, trigger us. And, but we often right now in our culture, when we hear w- w- the word triggered, it's negative. And, and we don't need to let the, the world or the, the pattern of this world, uh, you know, really set the tone for us. So if we are triggered in some way, it's, to a, it's a positive response. It's a good thing. And uh, so, you know, like driving down the road, you know, I don't know if you guys, uh, but we were on the road last weekend, but sometimes driving, just driving down the road, you can see things and they'll kind of trigger a memory or a response. How many, I'm going to give my age away, but how many of you guys remember driving down the road and there used to be picnic tables on the sides of the roads that were, anybody remember that? And so back in the day, about five of you do, but anyway, um, <laughs> driving down the road back then, you know, you didn't have McDonald's and, uh, and Burger King and everything like that everywhere. What you did is you took stuff and you had picnics on the side of the road. Sometimes you would take a loaf of bread and stuff. And, uh, and that's what you did. And uh, so you would drive down the road. You'd pull over at one of these roadside parks and you would have lunch or whatever if you were traveling to see family or whatever. Anybody remember that? Am I the only one that remembers that? Five of you? Okay, cool. All right. So anyway, uh, what we did was that's it, when I would drive down the road and I saw one this past weekend, it, boom, it caught, popped that into my head. And I remembered that. You know, and then another thing I remember is growing up, there used to be trash cans on the side of the road, so you'd pull over and put your trash in a trash can. You might remember that. Nobody does that anymore. They just throw it out the window like a bunch of numbskulls, right? So we have trash everywhere, and I can't take it home and put it in a garbage can or a receptacle. And so that's what you did. You pulled over, you put your trash in that. And so those things trigger positive things, and sometimes it can be negative things. And so the thing is, is we, we got to realize, you know, there's going to be triggers in our life, but what do we allow to happen with those triggers? Does it stimulate or stimulus, uh, that stimulus lead to something positive or something negative? And so we have some control over that. And we're going to talk about that today. So the thing is, uh, this month has been uh, mental health awareness. And so I wanted us to focus on mental wellness and not just mental health. Because a lot of times when you hear mental health, you automatically go negative 
And here's the thing is we, there's a lot of people that deal with mental health issues, but we want to focus on, hey, the wellness. And so how do we, how do we get healthy? How do we have you know, you know, strong mental health in these areas? And all of us are going to have temptations and challenges that we deal with that can send us spiraling, or we can choose to focus on God's plan, which is always perfect. It's, it's the blueprint for life. So instead of, of focusing on what's wrong, let's focus, focus on what will help. It's kind of like going, hey, I've got an issue here. But instead of focusing on the issue, I've got the splinter. Let's focus on, hey, getting it out. Let's focus on, on what will help. And so that's my challenge to all of us is that we don't just focus on the negative. We don't focus on the issue. We realize that we acknowledge it. You know, one of the first steps to something is going, hey, I've got a problem. I've got an issue here and I need some help. And then we focus on the help. Maybe that help is counseling. Maybe you go to a Christian counselor or maybe you, uh, you know, get in a life group or you get around some other people or maybe you get around some accountability, you know, and so uh, whatever it might be for a man, you might need some men in your life to hold you accountable, to speak truth into your life. For a lady, you need some ladies in your life to speak truth in your life, to hold you accountable, you know, and so we need those things. And so let's focus on the positive. Let's focus on the help that is available rather than what is wrong. You know, oftentimes we think about like uh, in relationships and marriages, you might be sitting here going, you know, our marriage, we just don't communicate. All right, well, that's a problem. That's an issue, right? So communication is an issue. The, when I do counseling, I always tell them there's three major things that we have to deal with. One is communication, you know, and then the other is going to be usually finances and then intimacy. Those things all kind of inter, inter, intertwine there, if you will. But if you're not talking to each other, if you're not communicating, the intimacy goes out the window, the finances go out the window, but you have to communicate with one another. And so there are little things that you can do to work on better communication, and oftentimes, what I'll just have them sit down, you know, knee to knee, hold hands, look each other in the eye, and they'll ask a couple of questions. Say, hey, listen, tell me what you're mad about. And then the other person has to listen to that and repeat that. And, and of course, instead of going on the defense, they have to actually listen. And so one of the things you could focus on in your own relationship is maybe you're not listening, you're reacting. And so you work on listening to what your spouse is saying, and then you work on that instead of just pointing out, hey, we just don't communicate. Well, then work on communication, Right. And so those are things we can work on. We can work on those things. And what, hey, so you ask, hey, what are you mad about? What are you glad about? What are you sad about? And so you listen, and then you have to repeat to them what they said. And what you're doing is you're working on a skill that helps you to communicate. Rather than just going, hey, but so we, don't, we don't communicate real well. So you focus on that, but then focus on what will help you to communicate better, right? And so we've got to be willing to do some things. And I'll just tell you this. There's some things that we can do that God says, hey, I will do a lot, but I'm going to ask you to take a step. You have a step of faith you have to take. Even in coming to salvation with Jesus, we have to surrender our life. We, we receive the gift of salvation. We don't earn it, but we surrender our life. We receive the gift of salvation. And so God, he, he responds to those things. And so we've got to be able to say, God, help me to focus on what will help my situation. And then here's another thing. This is kind of a recap. We need to understand this is a spiritual battle that we're in. It's not just emotions and it's not just hurt feelings and it's not just, you know, triggers. This is a spiritual battle that is going on. Bill and I talked about this the first week, you know, that the enemy loves to cause division. He loves to cause divide. He loves to cause rifts. He loves to cause separation. And that's what he works at. He works really hard at that. And, and so the thing is, is he is constantly attacking. He's telling you all kinds of lies. He's telling you you're not good enough. He's telling you, you know, you'll never get through this. You'll never be set free. You'll never this. You'll never that. It's, that's all he talks about. And God, God is just the opposite. God, Jesus wants us to be unified and together and as one. And he's working to bring us closer and closer together. And, and so the enemy's always trying to divide and Jesus is always trying to bring unity. So this is a spiritual battle. Don't misunderstand that. 
You know, and if you're, you know, one of the things that we do is we don't do a good job of preparing for battle. Our military, I know we got a lot of military families that are leaving. I was just talking to some that this will be their last Sunday. They'll be moving out. I've already met some that are coming in and we love our military families. But one of the things I love about them is they're training all the time and they're always preparing. They're always preparing for the worst case scenario sometimes, and, but they're training. And I know a lot of times you get tired of training, but the, the, here's the thing. The church and Christians don't do a good job of preparing for the battle. We don't train all the time. You know, if we would just live out what we already know to do, man, we would, we would be so much different than we are right now. Like if we just lived out the, the, the Bible that we already know, our lives would be different. But we have to practice that and train and prepare and train and prepare for the battle because it's coming. I'm telling you guys, the battle is here. And if you're not preparing, you're not training yourself to be disciplined in the things that, that come to spiritual battle, spiritual warfare, then you're going to your, get your lunch eaten. You know, some of these guys that are graduating are going away and they're going to apply the truths that they've learned and the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the training that they've received. They're going to go apply that. And so what we have to do is we have to listen to God's word and say, God, I want to apply your truth to my life. I, I, want, to, I want to literally, I want to saturate my, my heart and my mind with your word. So God, I know there's a battle that is raging. I know that there, the enemy is coming against me and I want to be prepared for that. And so what we do is we, we learn stuff and we just kind of leave it. But we need to be working on application. So this is a spiritual battle. Don't, mis, don't, don't mis, uh, misunderstand that. So we want to reclaim trigger from a negative to a positive. So I've already talked about that. So how do we do that? How do we reclaim, you know, triggered from being something that's always negative and, and, and it seems to be that's the way it's perceived everywhere. How do we change it? I think we have to change our point of view. How do we look at things? And so we can have the same situation. You have two people and they can hear, hear or see something, and one is respond. You know, they're they're triggered to action to do something positive. The other one would be triggered to be whining and complaining, right? And, and that's what we have a tendency to do sometimes. We want to whine and complain rather than do something. And what we're called to do is to be people of action, especially as Christians, as believers, is we're to we're to be people of action. And so here in America, one of the things we've gotten really used to is complaining a lot. We like to complain about everything, but we really don't want to do anything to fix it, right? We hope somebody else will, some politician will figure it out, and we'll just vote for him. But there are things that God calls us to get involved in and engaged in. If you want to see your community change, don't just hope some politician's going to do that. You get out, you make a difference, you serve your community, you find ways to make a difference in your community. Don't blame it on somebody else and say, well, you know, our community's going to a pot, you know, in a handbasket. Well, you know, do something about it. So, you know, we should be triggered when we see something. Instead of complaining, we're triggered to do something about it. We become mentors. We begin to teach young men. You know, there, maybe there's some young men that don't have any fathers in their life. We get involved in their life and we try to teach them what we know to teach them. Maybe there's some young ladies that don't have some mo- a mother in their life and they need you to teach them how to be a, grow up and be a woman. So there's things that we can do, but we can either sit around and complain. That can be our trigger. Hey, we're, we're triggered to complain or it can be triggered to action where we do something. We move, we get engaged, we get involved. And we don't just sit back and complain, but we make a difference in that. So we want to reclaim that. We want the trigger to move us in a, in a different direction. So the life you have is often a reflection of the thoughts you think. Now, many of us were brought up in homes that were super negative. Uh, you know, maybe everything was always half empty, right? I mean, you grew up in a home where your dad, everything's half empty. Maybe they complained a lot. Maybe they didn't do anything. And so you kind of carried that pattern on. You say, hey, well, listen, I'm going to do what my dad did or my mom did. You know, and that's the way my family is. That's just the way they are. You know, there's some families that, you know, I grew up with a family a little close to us, probably the meanest family I've ever been around. And, uh, but the, the dad was mean. But, man, the kids seemed to be even meaner. Anybody know anybody like that? And, uh, and so I tell my boys the, the story about this family. But half of that family, 
nearly every one of them you know, died in some kind of tragic way. The dad was beat to death you know, in, a, in, a, in a bar fight. Uh, you know, the oldest son died in a drug deal that went bad. Then another one was killed in a car accident. And then the other, I think, was, I don't know what happened to him. And th- I mean, it was just a mean family. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but it was kind of trickled down. That's what was modeled for them. So they thought a certain way because that's what they were brought up in. Now, here's the thing is they weren't believers, obviously. But for the believer, no matter what you're brought up in, you can be changed and transformed by the power of God and the word of God. And therefore, you don't have to be that mean person or that that. That, that, that racist person or that, you know, that complaining person, that whining person, you can be different. You can be one that goes out and makes a difference. And so what we have to do is say, you know, God, I want my, I want my thoughts to change. So the life you have often is often a reflection of the thoughts you think. So if you always think half, half empty, then life is going to be negative, right? But if you begin to look at life and go, hey, listen, I'm looking at life as being half full. I'm looking at the positives. I'm looking at the good things that are happening then you'll have a little bit better attitude and a better perspective on things. And so we've got to be able to say, God, help me to change the way I think. You know, that I see things different. I frame things different. So let's, that's what we're going to work on today. So for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. This is important for us to remember. This is a spiritual battle, keep in mind, that we're in. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So in other words, there is divine power. This is, this, this is God power at work and available to us. And strongholds, strongholds are something where, you know, we would say, hey, listen, like we are to run to Jesus. He is our strong tower. That's where we go to. He is our refuge, whatever. Well, strongholds are what the enemy builds in your mind that are lies that he continues to build on and build on. And you begin to believe and you let them hang around. And before you know it, you can't seem to get over this stronghold because you just keep going back there and back there and back there. It's because you're allowing these lies to stay in your, in your, in your mind and in your life. And so therefore they affect, again, back what I just said a few minutes ago, the way you think ended up affecting how you live. And so these strongholds are established in your life. And so what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, help me to tear these strongholds down. And look at what it says again. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to what? Demolish strongholds, to tear down the lies of the enemy that have been built into our lives that we keep tripping over and falling into all time and time again. And some of those, the only way they're going to be torn down is by the word of God and by fasting and prayer. We have to spend time fasting and prayer and we need to surround people around us. Hey, listen, I need you to help me overcome this stronghold that is a continue. It's like a besetting sin, as some people would call. I can't seem to get past it, but there's nothing that God can't overcome in our life. And so we need to understand, hey, there's a spiritual battle that's going on and we want to tear these strongholds down rather than giving the enemy a foothold in our marriage or our life or anything like that. We want to tear down any lies that he has told and we want to build our life on the word of God, the truth of God's word. We want truth, not a lie from the enemy. And so we need to understand that. So we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so what that's telling me is that I have a responsibility to take my thoughts captive and to literally make them obedient to the word of God, to make them obedient to what Jesus said. And so no matter what the world's pattern might be, no matter what my dad or my mom or my aunt or my uncle or my brother or my sister, no matter what anybody else says, any political leader or anybody else, is what does God's word say? What did Jesus say? What did he model And so I'm going to take those thoughts captive and I'm going to make them obedient to what God's word says. That's what we are to do as believers. And so we've got to be able to say, God, change the way that I think. 
I don't want to continue to live as a captive to my thoughts because that's what we do. God, I want to literally take them captive and make them obedient to the Word of God. That's what I want to do. And so how do we do that? And we're going to, I want us to look at a couple of things. So cognitive bias, it sounds like a big word, but it's really not, is a mistaken reasoning based on personal experiences or preferences. So cognitive is it's the, it's the way you think, and it's a bias. It's a tendency that you, didn't, you tend to go this way. And so it may be that you kind of grew up, and maybe you uh, were abused by a, a, a man. Maybe it was a dad. Maybe it was an uncle or something like that. And, and it could be in a lot of different ways. And so you have this tendency to look at all men the same way. Well, that's, that's a mistake because not all men are like this one who was abusive to you. And maybe you grew up in a home where the mom was abusive or the grandmother or whatever it might have been, but the female was abusive. And so you look at all women the same way and you kind of group them all together. They're all the same. And so you, what you've done is you've made a mistake and you have, you have literally reasoned that they're all the same. They're all this, they're all that. And that's not the way to look at it. God's word says that we're all unique, right? And there are righteous men, there are godly men, there are righteous women, there are godly women who care about us and who, men who are there to help us and walk with us. And so what we got to be willing to do is say, God, help me to change the way I think because the way I'm thinking is wrong. And so the cool thing about our mind, the way that God has created us, is we can change the way we think. And so we have a tendency to think the same thought over and over. It just gets easier to think that way. Hey, everything's half empty. Everything's half empty. Everything's half empty. So we always go there. But the cool thing about our mind is uh, science has even proven this, that if we think a, a different thought, if we think a better thought, and we continue to think those better thoughts, our mind will literally, literally lay out a different roadmap, a neurological roadmap that will end up going there instead of going negative. We'll go positive instead of negative. We'll go to something about God rather than things of this world. And so we have that ability within us to do that. And so God tells us to renew our mind, right? So the more that we think the way that Jesus thought, the more that we, the more that we respond the way that he responded, the more it changes us. And the more, the more we change the way we think, we change the way we live. So we can, we can have these co- cognitive biases. So our filter may not be accurate. So whenever we look at things, if they're, if they're skewed or biased in a certain direction, they may not be accurate. And so you guys know what filters are. Oftentimes we look through filters and they can make you look uh, different, right? Uh, so uh, like Laurie and I were out somewhere and we saw this lady and Laurie's like, who is that? She goes, I know her from somewhere. And I said, that's uh, such and such. And I pulled her up on Facebook and I showed her and she goes, that is not the woman I was just looking at. And I was like, no, it's not. That is called a filter. That is a serious filter right there that she had on. And so some of you guys use those filters, and people don't even know who you are whenever they see you. You know what I'm saying? Because on Facebook or social media, you look a certain way, and when they see you, they're like, all right, I don't know this person. I was at a place, and there was a lady I met, and uh, she's got a couple of pictures of her up on the wall, and she walks in, and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at the picture on the wall, and I'm looking at her, and I'm like, all right, that is not the same person. So obviously, they use some pretty good filters or makeup or whatever. I know those things can do wonders. But our filter may not be accurate. Just like whenever you see things, you don't get an accurate picture of who somebody might be. Well, oftentimes what we do is we look at life or a situation happens or something comes up or a circumstance, we see it through a lens that is skewed. We don't see it through the lens of God's word. We see it through our past. We we see it through our hurts and our wounds. And what God's word says that, you know, he, he he wants us to change the way we think. So when we change what we think, then when we see things, we see it through the eyes of God. So one of the prayers I often pray is, God, help me to see people as you see them. God, help me to love people as you love them. God, help me to serve people as Jesus would serve them. And so that's one of the prayers that we should be praying. God, help me to see the way you want me to see. 
Not the way that my past or my trauma or my, my, my wounds or my hurts are, are causing me to see things. God, I want to see the people the way you see them. And God, I want to love them the way that you love them. And I want to be able to forgive them the way that you forgive them. And so if we walk down that road, our filter, like I said, it may not be accurate, but we can change that. And so reframing. So creating a different way of looking at a situation or relationship by changing its meaning. And so reframing, it may be that we have to, whenever something pops up, instead of seeing it as a negative we reframe that. So like Monday, I, I know some of you guys, you know, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you hate Monday. But what if instead of looking at Monday as dadgummit, it's Monday, the weekend's over. What if you looked at Monday and was like, hey man, it's, it's a new week, right? And it's a new mercies, uh, a new morning. It's a, it's a new opportunity. And so instead of looking, you know, being frustrated with it being Monday, what if you got excited about it being Monday? So you reframe Monday as a new opportunity rather than the weekend's gone. What if you reframe Monday, hey, it's an opportunity to see my coworkers that I have not seen, you know, since, uh, since Friday. What if it's a new opportunity to be a witness at my workplace? What if it's a new opportunity to do something, you know, for the kingdom of God rather than making it all about me? And so we can reframe, we can kind of reframe, you know, what we see and see it, say, God, I want to see it through your eyes. And so like, you know, when your car breaks down, instead of going, you know, man, I, I hate this old clunker. What if you said, God, I'm thankful that I can get this fixed. God, I'm thankful that I've got the, the know-how or the tools or I've got the money to get it repaired. And we begin to change how we see things. We've, we change the focus. You know what I'm saying? And so how we frame things changes up. And so we've got to reframe uh, some situations will, will help us to see things different. So you can't control what happens to you. Now, here's the thing. There are going to be some things that happen in life that you have no control over. I don't have any control over it either. I will say this. So there are things that you can avoid um, like you can change some things. You can, you can keep yourself out of certain situations. You know, like, um, I, I constantly see where there was a, uh, there was a shooting at a bar or something like that. You don't have to go to that bar, you know, just being straight up with you. It's kind of like driving down the road. You can, you have control. You have an accelerator. You can control how fast you go. You can control with the brake, how soon you stop. Right. And then, and you can control whether or not you're passing in a non-passing lane or something like that. So you do have control over some things, but there are some things you have no control over. Now, you have no control over whoever is on the other way coming towards you. You have no control over how they drive or what they do. And so there are wrecks that happen that are not your fault. We know that, right? So that, but you, have, you can't control what happens to you, but you do have control over how you respond to that or how you frame that. So, so, but you can control how you frame it. So you can focus on the positive. You can focus on the good. You can focus on how God is at work, or you can focus on everything that you want to focus on that does not honor God or that is is really you know it's it's the south end of it you know you're just going you know what I'm just I'm just going to go there and there are times it's okay to cry out to God I'll tell you this throughout scripture you know David and the psalmist would cry out to God God how much longer will you forsake me God you know and there's it's okay to ask God questions I think we worry about hey should I even say anything to God he can handle he already knows your thoughts right before they, they ever form in your mind he knows everything about you so you can't but you can't control you can't control how you frame it. So God never wastes a hurt. I hope you understand this, but God never wastes a hurt. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you're dealing with, God, will, he will use that for his good and for his glory. And he'll use it for the good in your life as well. And the good in other people's lives. God never, ever wastes a hurt. And so I, I want to kind of give you an example of that. And, and it's out of Philippians. It's where Paul, Apostle Paul has gone to Rome and he wanted to go to Rome. He wanted to go to Rome to preach the gospel. He wanted to go to, to Rome to be able to proclaim the good news. He wanted to go to Rome to be able to influence and impact the leadership there 
so that hopefully it was literally the message of Jesus would, would go all over the world because he knew that was a hub, right? So he had that mentality. He was strategic in that. He wanted to go to Rome and preach and proclaim the good news. And so one of the things that I, I think that you know, we do is we don't think kind of like Paul did, but that would be like somebody going, hey, man, I want to go to New York City or I want to go to L.A. where there's millions of people and I want to go preach and proclaim the gospel and I want to go literally impact that, that, that city. Or, hey, I'm going to go to Washington, D.C., and I want to go preach and reach the, the leadership there and hopefully influence them so that the gospel literally is, man, is spread all over the nation. Literally that mentality. That's what Paul had. But he wasn't planning on going there and being in prison. He thought and hoped that he would be able to go there as a missionary and proclaim the good news. But, but, good news. but he ended up being put in prison. And listen to what he says. He said, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. So he's got a, what? He's got a positive attitude. He said, hey, listen, I know I'm in chains and I know I'm in prison and I know I'm threatened with execution. He said, but I just want you guys to know what has happened. God has blessed it and the good news is being spread. So he's got a positive attitude about what he's going through. He says, for everyone here, including the whole palace guard knows that I am in chains because of Christ. He's going, hey, man, everybody here knows why I'm here. So my calls you know, and my motivation is still, is still good. He says, so everybody that comes in, so the whole palace guard, every time they would come in, he would get to proclaim the gospel to these guards. You know, and every time there was a rotation in guards, it's another opportunity to proclaim the gospel. What if we had that mentality? Hey, no matter what we're going through, no matter where we are, we see it as an opportunity to present the good news of the gospel. So your, your, your workplace, your job, whatever it might be, wherever God has got you right now, what if you had the mentality, hey, it's an opportunity for me to present the good news of the gospel to anybody that comes in contact with me. And so Paul is literally chained up. But everybody in the whole palace guard knows that he's in chains because of Christ. They know that he is a follower of Christ. He's proclaiming it to all of them. And so, man, he is making, he's making lemonade out of lemons, right? And so he's choosing to focus on the positive. And then look at this. It's not just for him. He says, and because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. He said, man, God is using this not only in my life, but he's using it to help others. He's using it to encourage them. And so we, they're, they're, they're going out with boldness and with confidence, and they're presenting and, and sharing the gospel wherever they go. And so what Paul is saying, hey, listen, man, you, we've got to be willing to make a difference. So he's giving thanks to God, and he's, he's literally telling the church at Philippi, hey, man, God is using this for his kingdom. So here's the problem. However, we can waste a hurt. We can waste a hurt. God never wastes the hurt, but we can. And let me just tell you, in this room and online and everybody that's within the sound of my voice, you've probably got some kind of hurt that you've had to work through. And sometimes we're still working through those. And I, I shared this this morning when we were praying. I, I probably got as many triggers as anybody in this room. But I am a work in progress. John and I were sharing. We were talking this morning as we were praying together. Um, and, uh, John had to work through some stuff this past week. He said, I'm still working through these things. And he and I are both, we're a work in progress. We don't have it figured out, but man, we're still working on us. You know what I'm saying? We're still, we're still trying to crucify the flesh. We're trying to line up with the word of God. We want to respond the way that Jesus would respond to life and death and anything else that happens in between. We want to, we want to respond the way that Christ would have us respond. And so we have a tendency sometimes, um, uh, we can waste a hurt and you might be wondering, you know, well, how do we, how do we waste a hurt? We hold on to the hurt rather than experience the healing we need and the help that others need. 
So what we do is we hold on to this wound, this hurt. And there may be some of you in this room or some of you watching online that, man, you're filled with bitterness, anger, hate, resentment. There's somebody that you literally just hate. You despise them. You want them to suffer. You want them to go through the worst possible things. You know, and, and instead of getting to the point of where you're healed, you know, and you're past those triggers, and whenever now, whenever something happens, it becomes a positive thing. You're, you're focused on positive things. Whenever you're, you, you know, you experience that same thing, instead of going south or going negative or going hate, you're going, hey, you know what, forgiveness, and I'm, I'm going to think about how I can love them, how I can share the gospel with them, how I can reach them with the good news. We begin to change those things. And then to help others need. And, and so instead of holding on to this hurt and never getting healed, never being set free, but we're living as a captive to it, what if we were to be set free? What if we were to tell others how they could be set free? What if we were to tell with others how what we have experienced and how we have been changed and transformed by the power of God's Word and by the power of God's Spirit? And, you know, and that we no longer walk in that bondage or live as a captive to that, but we walk in freedom. What if we, what if we were to help others find that freedom? See, I believe that's what God's intention is. But what we'll do is we'll waste the hurt by holding on to it. And it makes us bitter and angry. And, and we go through life not experiencing what Jesus said, this abundant life. We feel like we don't have any life at all. And God said, hey, listen, that's not what I intended for you. So we can waste that hurt. But God never wastes that hurt. So if someone says, I love God but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people who, can, who we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? So we can come in here and sing songs to God and we can worship and we can tell everybody how much we love Jesus. But if you have somebody in your life that you hate, that you hate, then you don't line up with the word of God. We've got to be willing to forgive them. You don't have to hang out with them, but you've got to be willing to forgive them. You've got to be willing to let that go. You've got to be willing to literally, you know, say, God, I need you to remove this big splinter of bitterness out of my life. God, I, I need healing. And whenever you're healed and healthy and whole, you're able to share that with other people. You're able to help other people find that same peace. There's a peace that passes understanding that only comes through a right relationship with a holy God. And we only get that through Jesus. There's no other way. But the thing is, we can't go through life bitter, angry, hating someone and feel like we really love God. Look at what Jesus said here in Matthew. He says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? Why worry about a speck in someone else's eye whenever you got this huge plank in your own eye? He's going, you got to deal with that first. And what we do is we want to point out what's wrong in somebody else's life and say, oh, saying, I've got a lot of fingers pointing back at me, right? And we've got to be able to say, God, help me to deal with what's in my life. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get that, rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? We've got to be willing to say, God, you know, help me to see my own sin. And we've got to be willing to take ownership of that. Stop blaming somebody else for what's going on in your life and say, you know, God, some of this is me. It's the way I think. It's the, it's the choices I'm making. And it's the places I go, it's the things I do. God, I need you to change me. Change me from the inside out. Change my thinking, change my mind, change my heart. You know, and God, I, I want to quit living the way I've been living. So how do we reframe our story and our relationships? How do, we, how do we reframe them? How do we set them up different where we look different? We look at things in a different way, right? And so I don't know if you've ever, you know, seen a photographer. They're kind of doing that. They're framing something. They go, hey, you know, and so what they're looking for is that right shot and what we got to be able to do is say, God, help me to focus. Help me to focus on you. God, help me to focus on your goodness. Help me to focus on the blessing. God, help me to focus on what matters. And God, help me to focus on healing. Help me to move in the right direction. So sometimes we need to thank God for all the things that didn't happen. For what he stopped that we never even knew about. 
See, we can look in our life and we can look back at some of the trauma that we've experienced, some of the bad things that happened in our life. And man, we can focus just on that. And we forget to thank him for the other things that have not happened that he did protect us from. And so I love this statement. What if we were to start thanking God? Say, God, I want to thank you that, you know, I know this could be worse. God, I know this could be a whole lot worse. And God, I am thankful that this is where we are. God, I'm thankful that it was stopped in time. God, I'm thankful that this is where we are. God, I'm thankful that we can move forward from here. And so we begin to give God thanks for what he has, he has protected us from that we don't even know about. Look at this passage here out of Psalms. It says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Those of us who trust in the God, God Almighty to protect us, to protect our minds, to search our hearts, to literally to reveal what needs to be confessed, what needs to be laid down, what needs to be let go of. You know, they trusted him. There's rest there. There's rest in the shadow of the Almighty, in his presence. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He, he is my God, and I trust him. And so let me just say this. Look at what it says. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge. It's not drinking. It's not drugs. It's not sex. It's not somebody. It is he is my refuge. That's where I go to. I go to the Lord. I don't go to everybody else. I don't need to just go get a listening ear all the time. I go to God. He is my refuge. My place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. And I would ask you, is that that last line true of you? Do you really trust him? Do you trust him to let go? Do you trust him to do surgery on you, spiritual surgery? You trust him to, to, to give you the words to say, hey, I'm sorry, or will you forgive me? Do you trust him enough to go to someone and let something go? Do you trust him enough to finally heal that wound? And so that scripture is pretty clear. The psalmist trusted him. And so look for God's goodness in every day. It, you know, like start your day out going, God, I want to look for your goodness. I want to see your blessings. And so in, maybe this morning you wake up, it's kind of like the old hymn, you know, uh, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And so you, maybe you wake up and God, thank you for a place to sleep last night. God, thank you for a bed to sleep in. Thank you for food. God, thank you for friends. Thank you for a church that we can gather and worship in. God, thank you for the freedoms that we have here in America. And you begin to thank God for his goodness. God, thank you that you have not given up on me. God, you put breath in my body. You've given me another day, another opportunity. God, I want to focus on your goodness Instead of focusing on everything that's going wrong, we begin to focus on his blessings. Thank God for his strength to get you through it. No matter what he's brought you through to this point, say, God, you've given me enough strength to get here. God, give me enough to get, get further on down the road. God, I'm going to thank you in advance what you're going to provide. God, I'm going to thank you for what you've already done. I'm going to thank you for what you're going to do in the future as well. God, I thank you that you have me here at this moment. God, I'm thankful that you haven't given up on me. God, I'm thankful that you never leave me nor forsake me. But we begin to just give thanks. We focus on God's goodness. Thank God for how he will use it to help others. And see, I think this is huge. God, I want to thank you that you're not only going to take me through this, but you're going to help me show others how they can find freedom, how they can be set free, how they can walk in, in peacefulness. And God, they can lay their head down on their pillow at night and have peace that passes understanding. God, you're going to use me as your vessel. I'm going to be part of your, your family. But God, you're going to use me to do great and mighty things. I believe that. And just like that opening video, you have a purpose for my life. And God, you're going to fulfill that purpose in me. And so God, I'm, I'm surrendering myself to you. And God, I want to thank you that you're going to use me to help other people. So when you change the way you think, you change the way you live. I say that all the time. And, you know, and I'm telling you, we have to... We have to remember that day in, day out. We've got to be working on that. And this passage we started with early in the uh, series here, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And let me just say this about that passage. You know, God can change and transform our mind. But here's the thing. I believe that God says, hey, listen, you've got a part in this. Every day you need to get up and read God's word. I don't care if it's one verse. Read it. So you and I have a responsibility to read the word of God. Maybe to memorize the word of God. Here's the most important one I feel like is to apply the word of God. We're to apply the truth, the text to our life. We're, we're to look through that filter and God said, you know, how do I need to change? How do I need to be transformed to become more and more like Christ? How do I, how do I line up with his teaching? Maybe it's in how I respond to people, how I speak to people, how I treat people, whatever it might be. God, I want you to change me and I want to literally be crucified with Christ. And I want to be made new. I want to be changed and transformed. And so look at this. It says, it says, transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let God change you by taking the word of God and literally replacing the garbage that's in your mind with the things of God. To replace the, the lies of the enemy, the strongholds, with the promises of God, the truth of God's word. And so here's the thing. We have a part in that. There's so many th- times whenever God gives us a res- an opportunity to respond. Whenever he would heal someone, he would often say, hey, go and, go and bathe in the pool. He would, he would ha- tell them to take a step. And so I believe that God is telling some of you to take a step today, to take a step towards an altar and leave whatever it is there. He's telling you to take a step today and call someone or text someone and say, listen, I want to ask you to forgive me. I know we haven't talked in a long time, but I want to ask you to forgive me. I've been wrong. Take ownership of whatever your part is and pray that God will give you the right words and that you would trust him enough to line up with his word. And so I think it's important that we, we take those steps. Here's the most important one. Surrender my life to Jesus and become a new creation. Most important thing that you could do is say, hey, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender. I give you everything. Because I'm just telling you, without a relationship with Christ, all that we've talked about today, I'm telling you, it's not, it's not really not available to you. What you have to do is you have to begin here and say, God, I'm asking you to make me a new creation. I, I, I want to be born again. I want to be filled with the spirit of the living God. You know, and, and therefore, the Spirit will li- literally lead you, convict you to line up with the Word of God. And so we need the Spirit of God living within us. We need Jesus to be our Lord. And it comes, it comes back to us surrendering. As you say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you everything. And we receive the gift of salvation. We receive the Spirit as He places Him within us. And then ask God to renew my mind. Say, God, will you renew my mind? Will you change the way I think? I think every one of us in this room ought to ask that. Say, God, will you change the way I think? Will you change the way that I think about family members, about people that are different than me, whatever it might be, God, just change the way I think. Help me to line up with your word. And then work at reframing how you see each day. Work at reframing. Just going, you know what? Today, it's going to be a good day. Tomorrow's Monday. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be a great week. You know what? It's new opportunities to be a blessing to someone, to encourage someone, to share the gospel with someone. To be a witness of God, to be a witness of Christ, to be a witness to the people around us. And so start reframing each day. Focus on God's blessings and goodness. Man, just focus on the positive things that God's done, the good stuff. Just start focusing on those things. And see, that's a choice. We can focus on the negative, we can focus on everything that's wrong, we can focus on the things that will help us, things that will help others, and the things that Jesus offers to us. I want to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm not sure what your need might be today, but God does. 
There may be somebody sitting in this room or maybe somebody watching online that you've never put your faith in Christ for salvation. I'm just telling you that's the most important decision. And so maybe for you is to say, Jesus, I need to be born again. I need to be saved. Jesus, I need you to come into my life. My life is so screwed up. It's so broken. It's so messed up. I have so many triggers. Jesus, I realize that I need you. You are the healer. You are the comforter. You're the one that can do this. And so Jesus, with all the faith that I have, I'm asking you, will you forgive me? His answer is yes. Jesus, will you come and live within me? Will you teach me? I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. And so Jesus, will you come into my life? And I'm asking you to teach me how to be the person you've created me to be. So Jesus, I'm coming to you with all the faith that I have. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. And I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. So Jesus, I give you my life. If you just prayed that prayer, anybody in the room, if you would just raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. I just prayed that prayer. I see your hand right here. Anybody else? Just raise your hand high. Anybody else? I see a hand over here. Welcome to the family of God. Those of you that raised your hand, welcome to the family of God. And here's the thing. If, if you just prayed that prayer, let me just tell you this. With all the faith you have, you just got to know, you know what? You're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And now the Holy Spirit works in you to, to literally teach you how to walk with Jesus. And to walk in step with Him. Walk in step with His Word. Praise God for new life. But you know, there's a lot of believers in this room. There's some new believers in here now, but there's some old believers in here that I believe are still holding on to old things. And God is telling you, and I believe he's been speaking to some hearts in this room today, that you need to lay them down. You need to take a step of action. And he's calling you to obedience. In just a second, the worship team's going to lead us in a song of response. That song is an opportunity for you to respond in obedience. It may be to take your spouse by the hand and go down and pray. It may be to go down and lay your marriage on the altar. It may be to go down and lay the pain, the hurt, whatever it is that you're toting around on that altar. But whatever it is that God's leading you to do, I want to encourage you to be obedient. Just trust Him and take that step. All across the room, if you would, just stand. You respond as the Holy Spirit would have you respond. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for how you're working in this room already. I thank you for the salvations for these two. God, we praise you for that. And God, I pray that you would work in our hearts right now. Continue to do spiritual surgery. And I pray for anybody online that has made that decision to trust you, God, they would let us know. We celebrate it in advance. God, we give thanks for all that you have done. You are such a good God. Thank you for meeting with us today. And God, we ask right now that your spirit would just draw us close. God, we'd be obedient in Jesus' name. Amen.